The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Gun up and giddy up. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday. It is 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you know what that means. It's Failure to Stop Podcast. What's up, Eric? Friday, 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 all tickets half price. Failure to stop. <laughs> Bring the you'll whole family. The entire seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, that's the level of excitement we bring to the table, my friends. Good to have you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to all those that are in the YouTube chat. Thank you for being you. You're so special. Everyone, everyone deserves to be loved and recognized. Thank you so much. <laughs> You've tuned into the Failure to Stop podcast. If it's your first time, the lay of the land is this. There are multiple shows in this podcast feed. This is the first. This is the this is the OG show. Every Friday we break down some type of police-related incident, past, present, everything in between, and give our take. Both of us are former cops. I left in good standing. Eric was disgraced <laughs> because he loves alcohol so much. Uh, it's a whole it's a whole story. You'll you'll hear it one day if you go back and listen to all, all of them. Um, and then if we go backwards in time, Thursdays is last call with Eric, where he will interview interview guests. And I think you just had 10, eight memes on, right? Yeah, so good. Yeah, so like uh, pop culture, interesting conversations, everything you need to sound like a normal person at the weekend barbecue. You're used to dead, dead babies and domestics, and now you can figure out pop culture. And you can talk about Britney Spears or Elon Musk or aliens, uh, whatever. You know, or this you, week, a police you know, officer who was doing a side gig of porn. Mm -hmm. and he got fired, believe it or and not. And there was a rookie L.A. cop that got caught banging someone on the radio. Yeah. Um, it got broadcast across the police channels. So that was wow. that was good. So, uh, oh, man. You need to I move gotta... your. There you go. Oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then on Tuesday nights is Eric and Andrea. They do night shift where it's all true crime. And this week's I'm hearing was quite the episode. You got to go back and check that out. Dexter Pitts, um, he's uh, he's got the book I Am Pitts and he's got his own podcast. Just a phenomenal dude and always, always um, brings it. And so go back and check that one out. And then on Mondays, you've been listening to Off the Cuff. That's me and, and Dave and sometimes Elijah when he doesn't fake being sick or whatever else that he does and shows up. And we just randomly pick law enforcement related headlines and give our hot takes on them. That said, well, today and today's show, today's breakdown is going to be with John Mitchell. He's an officer in Oklahoma that found himself in a situation where he did his job that involved the use of deadly force and found himself uh, on the opposite side of the justice system unjustly. And we will talk to him about his experience. And you guys can obviously judge for yourselves how wild this is. So 
Stick around. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We got some housekeeping stuff we'll take care of before we dive fully in and welcome John to the show. But uh, thank you for listening. That's the lay of the land. Now, this this uh, this day brings us to me letting you know that there's some shifts happening for me. I, I started doing uh, online content in 2014 in the law enforcement space with blogging. And then that became video stuff with humanizing the badge, which became Mike the cop, which has continued to this day. And you guys are the first to know live on YouTube that the Mike the cop chapter of my life is coming to an end. And I am not sad about it. <laughs> I'm, oh. actually, I'm actually pretty excited for what's next. A lot of you guys know that uh, for the last couple of years, I was working on this thing called the 107 Project, and we were helping cops do what I did, which is learn how to do real estate, make your own business, and then help them transition out of law enforcement into the real estate space. That's going really, really well. We're growing, and now we're expanding that to people who are not just cops or veterans or public safety professionals, anybody that wants to learn how to do this business and grow in this business. So um, yeah, I'm doing that. And that's just the direction that my life is taking me. So um, yeah. So you're going to see some changes happening uh, with the show. You've got some familiar faces. Uh, Drew Breezy is one of those familiar faces that's going to be uh, stepping in. And then there's actually a new show on the horizon in the feed coming. And I'm excited for that one, and I think you will be too. So, um, yeah, we can still be friends, everybody. And uh, we're, we're trying to think about a non-cop-related stupid hangout show that maybe me, me, me and Dave might do. I don't know. So stick around. Uh, we, we will give you directions on where to find that and what to do uh, next week. But this week and next week, we'll round out my time in the in the cop content space i still will be helping cops veterans and first responders i'm just going to be doing it in like a business coaching vein and i'm excited for that but anyway that's my that's my big news well, we're gonna miss you so much man I, I, you know we knew it was coming when mike and i were on the network you know this was kind of more or less supposed to be kind of more of a full-time gig for us then of course we left the network and we both went kind of back into our full-time careers he went back into real estate um, which, you know, we were working so hard on Failure to Stop to get it born and birthed when we were on the network. And then when we went back on our own, you know, we we could the, the show wasn't going to support support us both. So we both kind of went back to, I went back to the distillery stuff and he went back to the real estate things. And so we just kind of were just making Failure to Stop survive um, and not knowing what was going to happen. But now Mike is going all in on on real estate and uh, we I was at a crossroads of, of what do I do because I can't half-ass failure to stop by myself um, I could half-ass it with Mike half-assing it we could whole ass it together as two half-asses but there's no way I could do it and um, uh, uh, Andrea Uplate, Drew Breezy, Jonathan Bates, Deadleg Media um, you know they all came together and said well let's give it a go in the new year and let's give it a full-time go. Uh, Drew Breezy's retired. Uh, Deadleg Media's retired. So money's not you know such an issue for those guys. And this so, is the only thing that Drew has. He's this is hanging on. He that's would it. he would he would he would take himself out of this world if uh, if he didn't have this show. So and Andrea doesn't we can't, we can't let Andrea that happen. doesn't mind uh, the the extra cash to to. Uh, to kind of help out with what she does full time. So we're going to give uh, all she does is buy more shoulderless dresses. Yeah, that's what that's what she does with all of her money. 
buy shortlist dresses and get sketchy tattoos uh, from pr- prison artists. Um, I'm not sure if suck chalk is a bad thing or a good thing in Sweden. Uh, when it comes from a guy named Ni- Nijken, Nij- Nijikian, Nijken. Uh, I don't even know. That, that sounds like Japanese to me. Don't disrespect um, the chocolate man. I'm just kidding. Nijken sent us another care package, so wait on that. Uh, it was good to see him in the chats. But yeah, so there's a lot more coming um, in 2023 as far as Failure Stop go. It's a little rebranding, some new faces, and, and really everybody's going all in. Everybody's taking a chunk of the pie, so, uh, and that's all going to roll out January 1st. So get ready. Hey, Corn Pop was a bad dude is in the comments. Uh, yeah, just reach out to me, Mike at 107project.com. I'll help your friend find land. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get him squared away. Trust me. Right, well, whoever's <laughs> listening, we have several thousand people that listen to the show, right? If you are listening anywhere you are in the country, if you need a, a real estate agent that shares your values, like as if you're a veteran or first responder and you don't want to take a risk with someone that voted for Biden, uh, then just reach out to me. I I have a whole list across the country of people that are ready to help you. So I, I can connect you. It won't be me, but I can still help you. I'll help you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for your new chapter, man. UPP is not going anywhere. So UPP will still be here. And I'm sure Mike will be popping in whenever he wants to. So I, it's not, you like- know, I'm going to, I'm going to have a little bit of withdrawal from ranting. Like, yeah. you know, that's a very therapeutic for me to get on here and, and uh, yell, so we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll always just leave it open for him, you know. So, you know, he's like an Amish. He's like an Amish kid that just turned eighteen, right? He's got to go out on his own, and if he wants to come back to the nest, he can come back. What's that called, Rumspringa? Or uh, right? yeah, Hanukkah or something? <laughs> Rumspringa. <laughs> hey, hey, this is good. This is this announcement's good. Honey Badger needs a place in Howler Bright. Listen, reach out to me. You know how to get a hold of me, Honey Badger, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah, just swipe on Grinder, baby. Um, actually, it's a she, but uh, anyway, <laughs> just uh, reach out. I'll help you. I just, Honey uh, Badger's a two she? Pe- I, had t- I helped two cops get places in Howell last year. All right. Anyway, let's shut I up about two me cops get laid. and my real estate business. You helped I two, cops, two get cops get laid. I helped two cops get laid by listening to Last Call. They had normal conversations with their wives after the show and got laid so i'm doing a service too mike <laughs> that's good says what's good the words rum on his hat <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh let's check out guys just stay faithful to the show if you like failure to stop you're still gonna like it keep going uh and show eric all the love in the world and drew and everybody else plus drew's just a bit more up. fun drew drew is a superior human being uh, that's like really not even is. a debate he is he is nicer he is smarter. Fuck uh, he is more well thought out. <laughs> um, not as good looking. I, I won't give him that. Sorry, Drew. All right. Um, <laughs> That's the hill I'm willing to die on. <laughs> I will die there. Okay. What's the review that we have for the show to read? <laughs> Mante Tio's girlfriend, 12 9 22. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. All right. Manny Tio's girlfriend. She didn't exist. Oh, that guy, the guy that got uh, catfished or whatever. Yeah. The nicest dude, big Christian guy, like, okay, okay. Just got murdered on the social webs for being a good human being, really. A super sad story. All right. Great podcast. Disgraceful arm cast. Look, Jack, 
The only thing more entertaining than a middle-aged man gleaming the cube at the local hard cement quarter pipe is watching the same middle-aged man doing a flip-flap jack turn and only making it 359 of the 360 degrees. <laughs> Unfortunately, the only three moments in history when all video went dark were Epstein's bedsheet origami, Paul Pelosi's hammer fist visitor, and Skate Daddy's now infamous quarter-speed bail. If only the Heidenberg guy were to narrate this tragedy on wheels. But then again, not even he can paint the picture like Mike the Cop and Eric Tanzi when it comes to police, meeting, society, and culture. This is an A podcast featuring a gentleman and a C-minus sidekick. Don't hesitate to download this now. Oh, that was a great review. It was a good Fuck, review. man. That was a really good review. Thank you, put man. Eric all up in the feels. Oh, that was good a job. good one, dude. That was a good one. And, and uh, our media company that uh, Failure Staff will be running through is actually called C-minus Media. So... Probably nice. didn't even know that when he wrote that review. Probably didn't even know it, but he does now. He does now. Uh, you ready for me to bring on this guest? Yeah, as long as we don't. Do we have to say anything about sponsors before we do that? Oh, today's no? show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack, where you can get all the savings on the best oh. sleep system in the country. Beds that are made in the good old USA. You say right now they're offering like 40% off some shit, 50%. There's so many deals that I'm not even going to read the ad read because they can't keep up with it. They're doing some kind of 12 days of Christmas. Th I don't even know what they're doing over there. I don't know how they stay in business. I don't know how they make money, but uh, we love Ghostbed. We stand by Ghostbed. They're huge supporters of first responders, huge supporters of veterans. Uh, literally let me say whatever I want in an ad read, which is incredible. Uh, they got the adjustable base, the cooling sheets, the cooling pillows, if you want to get a gift that makes everybody in your household's life better, get a ghost bed, get the ghost bed pillow, get the cooling sheets, get the adjustable base. All of these things are going to make your whole being better. If you get it for your husband, he's going to be a better lover to you because he's going to have more sleep. He's going to be a, a better job. If you're just a single dude, those lonely nights are going to be really nice because you'll be with a ghost now. You won't be just by yourself. So I don't know where I was going with that part. Also, today's show is brought to you by iTargetPro.com. Obviously, we're Second Amendment supporters, toxic, toxic white dudes. Uh, but uh, we're passionate about the Constitution. And we also are just as passionate about responsible gun ownership and protecting our families. So uh, we just discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home. Actually, our guests probably could benefit from this. Um, uh, we, I'll explain that later. That was a bad joke right now, but, uh, in the comfort of your own home, you can train, you can have a blast doing it. It's called iTarget pro. Uh, and this system is a game changer. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary proprietary pop, whatever. That's a huge word. It's more than three syllables. I'm out. Load the laser bullet into your firearm and start training even better. My wife can now practice safely without even needing to leave the house. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and more. Right now, you can save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code WOLFPACK. When you go to itargetpro.com, that's I, the letter I, targetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, along with gas to get to the range, it's the perfect solution for you. There is no better Christmas gift that I would rather have under the tree besides a ghost bed than iTarget or Ammo Seek. Dot com, which everybody should go and register because everybody needs new ammo for Christmas as well. But I target, dude, it's a laser. It's, it's basically you take your gat, your yeet machine, put a laser bullet in there and you can practice from your couch. They put up these little targets all around the house that are laser activated. You can um, monitor your draw time, your, you know, all the things. So uh, if you're a shooter, 
If you want to stay proficient, go to itargetpro.com. Use that promo code Wolfpack. Giddy up. All right, let's bring on our guest, Andrew. No, that's not his <laughs> name. That is not his name. Oh, what's going on, Jonathan? Nothing much. How are you guys? We're doing good, man. We appreciate you coming on. You've got one hell of a story. We're ready to hear that. Um, Michael alluded to it earlier, but I'd like to hear it from your mouth. Now, listen, I know that you've got a lawyer. you got an attorney. There's some shit you can't say and you can't say. So if, 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 if we ask a question, don't feel embarrassed um, to just say I can't answer that. And, and those of you in the chats just understand that there's still civil lawsuits going on. There's still... Uh, other things happening uh, in the court, but you've been acquitted, right, of the homicide? Uh, charges were dismissed by a district court judge. Okay, so we can't we can't introduce you as a murderer then now. No. Damn. Yeah, man, you're going to be our first. Crap. You're going to be our first murderer. Sorry. On scene. <laughs> you ruined it for all of us. But uh, if, if you can, can you give us a little bit of the backstory? We're going to show the video. Um. And we'll break the whole video down from from our perspective, but I mean, not, not, it's not very often. We had Sergeant Mattingly after the Breonna Taylor incident, we had him on, but it's not so often that we get to break these things down with the man in the room. And I'm sure you've had to break it down for several people and you're probably tired of it. But this is a story that, that cops need to hear because it can happen to anybody. Matter of fact, it just happened last night where five police officers were indicted. Um, and I, was that in Louisiana? And, uh, for for a... Uh, shooting that happened five years ago. They just all five Jeez. were were indicted yesterday. So um, we're seeing more and more of this across the country. And uh, luckily you came out on the, the upper hand this time. For now. For now. For now. Um, why don't you go ahead and just, just give us the, you know, intro paragraph to kind of what happened. We'll jump into the video. And we'll break it all down. So before I start, I want to give the little disclaimer, you know, the fine print at the bottom of the screen where the guy talked really fast. and mm -hmm. uh, You know what Pepsi wished they would have did with the Harrier jet. It would have saved them a bunch of money. <laughs> Where's but, my uh, jet? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, and it's because of these, these prosecutors and ambulance chasers that will take every little thing you say, trust me, they will, and they will use it against you to the best of their ability and they'll twist it and make it, you know, the farthest thing from the truth. So even if I laugh and smile a little bit with you guys today, I want to get clear. That was one of the worst nights of my life. You know, it was a night that I wish never would have happened. Um, it, it haunts me to this day. And I, I, I wish that, that it just wouldn't have happened. But uh, so if I laugh and, and joke with you guys, it's not over that incident necessarily. It's, it's just because I'm a, I'm a damn human, you know, and we have this emotion called humor. So, um, and that's kind of uh, a way that first responders deal. And we've talked about that a thousand times on the show. First responders deal with all the shit that they see on a daily basis through dark humor. And so if you ever hang out with a cop or a firefighter for even 25 minutes or a veteran for, for more than 25 minutes, that dark humor is always going to be there because you can either cry all the time and you will cry a lot over the shit you see as a cop, but you can't do that all the time. And sometimes we mask that by telling crass off color jokes because we got to make each other laugh because we can't just cry all the time. We can't just be emo kids, uh, emo, you know, what, what is it? Millennials were millennials, the emos, the emo phase. I don't know. I wish my grass was emo. Then it would cut itself. Bad dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Touche. 
Didn't even take 25 minutes. Pull your lawnmower uh, cord. Where are you? <laughs> oh, all right, man. Well, listen, and, and it sucks that we have to relive the, the worst night of your life, man. And and you'll you guys will see in the video, man, that there was so much empathy coming from your your tone of voice. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into that. I don't, I don't want to jump ahead, but um, give us the uh, Cliff Notes version before we dive into the video, if you would. So, you know, I work for a smaller department, you know, 17 guys. Uh, the department's divided up. There's two lieutenants, me and another guy. We have half of the department underneath them. So each of us has half, half the department. All right. So in well, addition to that, I'm... Well, thanks, Satan. Oh. Did his computer die? <laughs> I bet he didn't have his computer plugged in. I uh, forgot to do that. I get so nervous. No, uh, I'm not sure. This is the this is the the dangers of live media, folks. Oh, 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 whoa. oh you're, you're back. There. You're back. You're back. You're back. Turn here. The deep uh, state came for us. What were you saying about Hillary? Tornado Clinton? came through Oklahoma just now and uh, wiped out the internet, but they've uh, they've restored power. We're back. That was three days ago, and then it's twenty today. Don't joke. So, uh, <laughs> So, you know, I work for the smaller department. We have two lieutenants, me and another guy, and, and they divide the department up and, and we're basically right under the chief. And half of us have has one of the department, you know, eight or nine guys and the other half has another eight or nine guys. So in addition to that, you know, I'm on this drug task force that works multiple counties under our DA. And so, you know, I, I try to manage both. Well, during this time, the lieutenant for the other side of the department is out with a back surgery. So. Um, you know, my phone was ringing quite a bit and, and I'd been at the, I'm on the local baseball board. I'd been at the little league baseball tournament until midnight that night. And, uh, if you ever want to know the disgustingness of the human nature, work a little league baseball tournament. I want uh, my kids to play bathrooms. Baseball, yeah. And empty trash cans. And you will see what disgusting human beings we truly are. But, uh, I, I get home about midnight and I'm, man, I'm, I'm wiped out and two days at a baseball field and the sun. And I'm like, man, am I going to go to bed? But, you know, I got to watch Game of Thrones episode had recorded that Sunday night. So, fuck it. I'm going to stay up and watch Game of Thrones. You know, I'll suffer with lack of sleep tomorrow. So I stay up and watch it. And I just got into bed about three o'clock and my phone rings. And it, uh, it's one of the officers from the other side of the ship. Off it again. And he's like, just getting. I'm here. Oh. All right, so you got yeah. into bed at three o'clock in the morning, and your phone rang. Yeah, and it's a, it's an officer that that's on the opposite shift. That's that's my rotation, and he's like, uh, "Hey, LT, sorry to bother you. Hey, it's not a real big deal, you know, but we've got this road rage incident on Main Street, and uh, this lady in this white pickup rammed this car from behind, and then pulled in front of it and shot it up. Just just not a big deal, you know. I just want to make you aware of it. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of a big deal in a town of 7000 people. You know, I probably ought to get dressed and like come that way. So I get around and get dressed and uh, I show up and it's on Main Street, a four lane U.S. highway. And uh, I get there and, and the detectives there, but there's there's no patrol cars, you know, and I'm like, hey, where are the patrol guys at? And he's like, dude, they're chasing shots, fired calls all over town. I'm like, no shit. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, OK, great. You know. So we start processing this car and we've been out there quite a while and we're talking to the guy that was driving the car and he's like, yeah, man, I was on my lunch break from factory, thought I'd go for a drive. And he said, I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden this, this pickup's riding my ass. So he said, yeah, I brake checked them. And he said, they back off. And then he said, I'm cruising along. Next thing I know, they ram me. And <laughs> this dude's driving a, a new, we have silver police cars here. 
and he's driving a new silver charger that looks just like a police car, blacked out windows. I mean, it looks like an unmarked police car. Mm. And so he says, this, uh, this car, this pickup rams me twice. And he said, so I pull over to the side of the road and, uh, it pulls in front of me. And he said, you know, I get out and I'm like, what the hell, man? And this lady leans out the window with a pistol and starts popping rounds at me. And so he's like, yeah, screw this. Bails out of the car, takes off running. So he runs around the block and he's in an alley and he can see through the houses. This lady circles around and he says she stops at the car with a gun hanging out the window. And it was like, come on, you pussy. Where are you at? Where are you hiding at? Challenging, you know, the the car because she thinks he's still in it. And then, uh, and then speeds off. And so we talked to him. I'm, I'm trying to pick a slug out of the fuel rail of this Dodge Charger. And uh, it's been 20, 30 minutes, maybe. And my cell phone rings and it's dispatch. And uh, the dispatcher's like, hey, man, you guys not have your, your handhelds on? And we're like, no, we're in plain clothes, you know. And he goes, hey, uh, Keith Denton's got shots fired at 3rd in Oklahoma. And I'm like, no shit. He's like, yeah, man, he's screaming for help. Shots fired. So I run over to my car, throw on my tack armor. Uh, hop in and we go blazing away to, to, you know, this, this gunfight. Now, hold on. Let's stop uh, you right there real quick. You went from a baseball game. Now, were you an umpire? No, I'm on the local baseball board. You're you're just watching the tournament, like making sure all the, you're just managing the tournament basically. Yes. Yes. So you go from managing a baseball tournament uh, to going home, getting your chill on watching game of Thrones and now you are hunting a human being that is an active shooter. Yes. It's just, I, I just think it's important that the civilians understand that it's not like all day you were gearing yourself up to go to war or go to battle for the day. You were well, literally and, and being a civilian and had to turn it on at three o'clock in the morning. You know, two things I'll bring up. And, and that's one of the things these prosecutors and, and I, the media, some in the media, they want to portray it like we're all tackleberry. You know, we're sitting at home, oiling our guns all day. Mm. And then, all right, man, it's time to go to work. Fangs out. Let's go 10-8 and go get in deadly force encounters. You know, that's what they try to portray that happens, you know. And, and that's that's not it, you know. I mean, people would ask all the time, you ever shot anybody, buddy? And I'd always respond with, no, man, I've made it almost 20 years and never pulled the trigger on a human. And I always told them, I hope I can make it 20 more. I don't know of any cops that go to work every day, you know, going, man, I hope I can get in a shootout today. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are the ones there. I, I've always said the movie Observe and Report with Seth Rogen should everybody that's responsible for hiring police officers should have to watch that movie. And I think that in law enforcement in general, we do a pretty good job of weeding those guys out before we ever let them pin a badge. Does it happen? Yeah, it happens from time to time. But I think we do a, a pretty good job of weeding out the tactical timmies, so to speak, you know. But, yeah, no, man. I'm, I mean, I'm in a baseball tournament with my kids, and then it's next thing you know, I'm, I'm living a, a, a friggin' nightmare, you know. I read in a book once, a guy said, uh, Ron Owens, retired Oklahoma City officer, wrote a book about the history of the Oklahoma City Police Department called Oklahoma Justice. Hilarious book. But he wrote, you know, police work, and I'm paraphrasing here, is weeks and months and hours of the most intense boredom you can imagine, interrupted by a few seconds of terror every now and then. Yeah. You know, and, and you go through the, the, the wellness classes. That's why we don't live, live as long as everyone else, it's because of the cortisol, you know. 
we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. We've all had that adrenaline headache after the adrenaline dumps, you know, and, and it, it is, it's, it's, it's boredom most of the time. And then eh, we're going to throw in a friggin' nightmare right here. And okay. Nightmares. Okay, let's go back. to normal. Yeah. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, so you're, you're chasing her down. Uh, I guess at this point you're, you're heading towards like a residential I, area. I, well, yeah, he's in a residential area. Um, I, so I, I slap on my tack armor and the detective falls in behind me and away we go blazing across town to where this gunfight's occurring. And on our way, I hear him on the radio and he's like, hey, we're, I'm in pursuit with this vehicle. We're exchanging gunfire. Hmm. So... <clears throat> she's actively shooting at the car. That's the way I took it. Hey, I'm in pursuit with this vehicle. We're exchanging gunfire. Okay. Um, and, and then this you... is kind of a, an area I have to tiptoe on again. This is pending with court of criminal appeals and the civil case. I really can't go into the facts of why I did or didn't shoot sure. nuts and bolts that you've got the video. You can draw your own conclusions. But there are certain points here that I have to, to be careful with. Sure. You want me to go ahead and, and start the video and I'll go ahead and break it down. And then if we're wrong, you can you can even just say like, eh, or give us like a little eh, kind of deal. And we'll yeah. just break it down. Yeah, so absolutely. You don't, we can spare you. Uh, overpaid producer. Uh, pff, underpaid producer. Do I uh, just hit add to stream? Is that what I do here? Now, is this your vehicle? Okay, no, this is Keith Denton's videos, so okay. you can stop that right there for a second. That white, okay, so Keith Denton is the patrol supervisor that took this initial call. Now he's out chasing shots fired calls around the entire city. So he talked to some guys uh, six or seven blocks away that were moving some furniture at three in the morning. You know, that's what normal people do, you know. They pack a U-Haul <laughs> truck at three in the morning. In Oklahoma, and like, hey, uh, yeah, you know, hey, if you, and they're, you know, high-speed hillbilly chicken feet. I mean, they may stay up for four days. But he stops and he's like, hey, have you guys heard any gunshots? And they're like, yeah, we heard some. But, you know, they're sounding like they were six or seven blocks back to the east. So this dude is just patrolling around trying in that general area, trying to find where these gunshots came from. That white SUV that you saw sitting in that driveway is the suspect's mother. Okay. The suspect is in an open lot directly in front of that car in a pickup. Okay. He's going to get out and talk to the lady he's talking to is the suspect's mother. And he's like, hey, have you heard gunshots? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she, oh, yeah, the lady right in front of you has a gun. So, And that's her ahead. daughter. Wow. Yeah, that's so, her daughter. I've watched this tape a few times, did not know any of that. Yeah, that's um, her mother. And okay. some of these gunshots you're going to hear are her shooting into her mother's car because her mother won't get out of the car with the officer standing next to mom's car. And mom actually says at one point she shot at me already. So she's already shot at mom before the officer got there. Okay. Well, help. She's this. getting, she's getting to shooting at me again. You know how she is. Yep. This is like, uh, instead of Florida, man, this is like Oklahoma woman. Yeah. Is this typical for Oklahoma? No, nah. no. Okay. It would be typical for Florida. All right, here we go. Hello. Hi. How are y'all doing? All right. I thought I had her in Norman, but she beat me back. 
beach bag. Yeah. Okay. How long y'all been out here talking? Oh. Mom was going to take her to a mental hospital in Norman, Oklahoma. Let me ask you a question. Have you here in the last little bit? Have you heard what sounded like a gunshot coming from this direction? Yes. About how long ago? It's about uh, two minutes ago. Can't handle she's that. got a gun. Who does? She does. So, you did, know, did she go ahead. Yeah. She discharged? Yeah. Oh, okay. Have you heard any gunshots? Oh, uh, yeah, three or four minutes ago. Oh, okay. All right. Not, oh, my God, she's shooting at me. And I love the cop, Whoa. too. Hey, he's hey, just like, hey, eh. hey. What's that? Now she's telling him, she's pointing the gun at him, telling him, get to where I can I'm see. I'm right you. here. I'm right here, Michelle. I'm right here, Michelle. Did she tell him to face the car? Yeah. It is. Fuck you. Okay. Whoa, pause it really quick. She just said, you know the deal. Turn and face the car. Is that what she said? Yeah, and then she, I, I know, I think she's, yeah, and then I think she said this isn't real. But, yeah, she starts barking orders at him like you would think a police officer would. Hey, face the car. In a minute, she tells him, get in your car and leave. Uh, she's got a gun trained on on them during this entire encounter you see. Off well, what kind of gun is it? A uh, nine millimeter pistol. Okay. Uh, but I like mom just like, oh, hey, yeah, I heard some gunshots. Not, you know, the typical response a cop pulls up, you've been shot at, and you go, oh, my God, she's got a gun. She was shooting at me, you know. Yeah, this is like, I mean, she kind of sounds like, almost like she's like Bonnie and the Bonnie and Clyde things. Like, you know the deal, you know, so yeah. stick up. All right. <clears throat> okay. Oh, she shot at can he see her or he can he only hear her? Do you know? Ma'am, back out. No, he can back see her. Out. She's okay. right in front of him in a vehicle. Back okay. out. Now he's telling mom to back out and get out of there. And mom just said she shot at me earlier. Michelle, put the gun down. You first. You first. You first. They're not gone. Climb out. All right, pause it really fast. So I want you to, the listeners, I want you to pay attention to, especially civilians. One shot was fired, and you can hear a breath coming from the officer now. It's slow, but you can hear it. It's a change in his breathing. His breathing went from like me talking like this to now him going, Michelle, put the gun down. Ma'am, I need you to back out. So now there's, there's a change, and you're going to see that it's going to get even more prominent. And we'll talk. Yeah, about his body just went into survival mode. Mm hmm. Like he's starting. Things are starting to the old ticker is starting to move. Right. They're starting. To oh, yeah, his liver, forward. his heart. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Whoops. Ma'am. Michelle, put the gun down. OK. Michelle. Stay down. Michelle. Put the gun down. OK. Michelle. Michelle. I said get back in your car. Michelle. And get all down the road. Michelle. Wait, put me in jail, Bubba. I, I don't want to put you in jail. That's not why I'm here. I don't want to put you in jail. I got to say that I, I have a lot of respect for this officer. What What is his name again? 
Keith Benton. I, I have a lot of respect for this guy. He he already has been in a situation where deadly force would have been justified. And he's doing everything possible. He's he, I I feel that there's a genuineness a genuineness coming through this that what he wants is for this to end and for her to get help. Like it seems to be um, bleeding through his voice. He's a CIT and he had dealt with this situation earlier in the night, the family calling, wanting him to go do a CIT check on her because of her mental illness. And then she had a long history of mental illness, which he had dealt with with her. So yes, he's familiar with her. Got it. But and, kudos, and kudos a, to him for that, for that. Here's the discussion I have about that. Uh, and I was going to bring it up later on in this, but I'll bring it up now since we mentioned CIT. Where I have a problem with the whole CIT program is that there's a lot of instructors across the country that spend a lot of time trying to make police officers uh, almost feel feel bad for them for their mental problems, putting them in the way they are, where they're at. Right? It's almost. And what I'm trying to say here, I'm trying to tiptoe around, and I probably shouldn't tiptoe. I should probably come out and say it'll probably make more sense, but. It's not our responsibility for you to keep your mental illness in check. I know lots of people who suffer from mental illness that aren't out there waving guns and trying to kill cops. And we as police officers should not have to feel sorry for or second guess what we're trained to do because of your lack of ability to control your own mental illness or your family's inability to control your mental illness. It is not the cop's fault that you didn't take your meds. It's not the cop's fault that you decided not to control your diet that, that and you eat things or, or uh, drink things that cause your mental illnesses to flare up. It's not our fault. And therefore, if this woman wasn't suffering from mental illness and this guy wasn't CIT, he would have laid her down right then and there, which is probably more the right thing to do because she is a harm to others and she's a harm to that officer. And if she got lucky and hit that officer, we'd have a lot bigger issues on our hand. But because we're CIT, and that's where I have a problem with CIT, is that we fall into this gap where we want to over-empathize with somebody's mental illness. And that's that's going to get a lot of people hurt. And it's, the, also the mental allowing, health. it's also allowing people with mental illness to take advantage of their mental illness. Now, we as, as civilians think that, oh, well, a cop can't shoot her because she's crazy. This is what has led people to think it is okay. And, and uh, the firefighter this week in Miami said it perfectly. People have gotten way too comfortable with thinking it's okay to spit in another man's face just because you're in, in handcuffs and you don't think there's going to be any repercussion. Just because you have a mental illness and you uncheck it doesn't mean you are, uh, you know, you're free from getting shot for your mental illness or getting uh, a baton across the forehead. Your mental illness doesn't mean that I have to risk my life and other people's lives because you failed to keep your shit in check. So, and I think another point, important point here, but you'll get me on a, lead me down a whole different rabbit hole and get me started on the mental health system. She has been disarmed by a sheriff's deputy in another city a year or two before this with this exact same gun in her possession during a mental crisis. And now she is back on the street going through the same thing with the same gun. Tell me how that happens. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like that over, they're like, oh, well, it was a mental illness case. You know, we're going to, no, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we get it. I understand that there is, there, there is mental illness. Right. And, and I'm not saying that we have a lack of empathy. What I'm talking about is over empathy. It's, it's, 
it's letting it go too far because you want to be the hero that that the hostage negotiator that's on hallmark you you want the news media to cover the cop that went over and beyond to talk this woman out the problem with going over and beyond is you're gambling what you're doing is you're holding a flush uh with with a five with a five of spades in your hand when she could have the flush with the jack but you're gambling you know yeah you kind of got the upper hand but what if you don't the guy's standing on the bridge and you run up and grab him and pull him off what if he grabs you as he goes over the other side and you go over the bridge with him? Yeah. I mean, it's all unfortunate, you know, but it cannot be our responsibility to keep your mental illness in check or uh, to not do our job because you failed and your family failed to keep your mental illness in check. But it goes into a greater thing, a greater issue. And, and I'll piss some people off when I save this. I agree with the defund the police people on certain points. The police are involved in way too many things in society, and we have Amen. Them yeah, so <laughs> Amen. in the state of Oklahoma, the, the, it's changing now. But if you go to the hospital and you say, man, I need psychiatric care, I'm going to hurt myself or others. You walk in the hospital and do that. Do you know who they call to drive you three hours to the mental, one of the mental, the mental hospitals across the state? They call a police officer. So you're, you're, you're in your you're right mind enough to walk in and say, hey, I need mental health care. What good does that serve that mental health patient to handcuff them and put them in the back of a police car to drive them three and a half hours when they had no dealing with the police to begin with? It's not our job. And society has put us into that. Where does everybody call? There's a cat in a tree. I've never seen a cat skeleton in a tree. They get down, but they call the police department. My kid won't mind. They call the police department. Hey, society has put too much on us. Anything. Oh, a traffic light's not working. Who do they call? We call absolutely. the police department. Yeah. At what point, and, and, and I view modern American policing as, as somewhat of a recent thing. You know, we're, what, maybe 100 years old as we think of police, police departments. How the hell did people survive before us? They handled their shit and they went on with life. Hey, but man. now we expect the police to solve everything. Do you remember, rant, you remember when uh, remember when a traffic accident was a civil matter and it was the insurance company's job to deal with it? And now all of a sudden the insurance has, has weaseled us into doing police reports over what's it? You know, no crime was committed because you rear-ended when, somebody. When I, yeah, but when yeah, I started this care. in 99, we carried these pads of, of accident reports that you wrote out by hand and they came in a big thick stack on a pad. Do you know who paid to print those? It wasn't the state of Oklahoma. Yeah, you drove to DPS and got them and they mailed them to you. The insurance companies paid to print those. You know, they, they have injected us. We, we have become privatized more than you'll ever know. And I worked for oh, yeah. a university for a while at a health science center, which is a privately owned hospital with OU's name hoard on it for money. You want to talk about a private police force. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's but society has put us in and then long term mental health facilities. The last one in Oklahoma closed years ago. But used to when you did shit like that, you got sent somewhere and that's where you stayed. Now we try to reintegrate everybody back into society, no matter how crazy they are. And we wonder why we have all these mass murders. Whereas used to, you know, and I don't want to sound callous, but in the 50s or 60s, they would have thrown your ass in some asylum and your family would have went and seen you on the weekends. You know, my aunt can't do that anymore. My aunt suffered from from severe schizophrenia and uh it got to the point where, um, and this was in the eighties, but, um, my mom was raised homeless with nine brothers and sisters. They lived in a station wagon for, for a good portion. And they, they lived on the beaches and in camp campgrounds and campsites constantly running from, 
child protective services. But um, the, the in the 80s, when they were when the, my aunt was old enough and, and over 18, it was like, hey, you're, your family either keeps your schizophrenia in check or we take you away and we throw you somewhere. And she couldn't Absolutely. keep her schizophrenia in check. And so they shipped her off to Utah where she stayed until she died, you know, five or six years ago. She never got out of that institution. And she was able to call us. We were able to go and fly to Utah and visit her. But she was never allowed out. And that's because she had, they were like, we gave you an opportunity to keep your schizophrenia in check, but we're not going to deal with this over and over again. You either figure it out, your family figures it out. And you know what? That's on my mom, my mom's dad, my grandfather. You know, it, alcohol was more important to him uh, than taking care of a lot of his kids. And so, you know, she, she paid the price. There was no, and then that sucks, right? It's not fair, but I don't. I think if my aunt would have been out on the street, she would have murdered somebody. Or but she somebody. probably had somewhat a semblance of quality of life and some dignity. Yeah. Versus where are a lot of the mentally ill now? They're sleeping on the street. Sure, sure. It, which uh, yeah, is better? Or, yeah. You yeah know? Exactly. Yeah. And I just um, saw a comment that said, "Bring back asylums?" Question mark. I think there's a humane way to hospitalize people. And, and treat them with dignity. Yeah, there's there's things in the past. Some of those places maybe weren't so good, but what's working now isn't working. What we're doing now isn't working. Right. No, it's possible that some of the working. it's possible that some of the experiments going on in the seventies and eighties <laughs> weren't that exactly. weren't that ethical. But uh, but having a place having a place for people. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to pick your you got to pick your expense. Right. As society, we can either go to L.A. and have forty thousand homeless people many of which the issue is addiction and mental health uh, as a piece of their choice to live that lifestyle. We can pay to have them there or we can pay to have them in a facility where they're being treated with dignity, respect, and opportunities to sort of like have a normal life day to day without, without putting themselves or others at risk just roaming in the public like the walking dead. Right. So like we have these options that we, we got to pick and it's like neither one of them are that great. Neither one of them are like, well, how do we burden society with this? But at the same time, it's like, well, you're either this is a reality. You've got them here or we can we can try to um, fo- focus the situation and direct the river. Is this somewhere where it's going to be beneficial? Church, like if 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 you're a, of a man, uh, like if well, you dude, don't are even a man of the faith, isn't that wasn't wasn't the, like it didn't wasn't something biblical like that's like what the church's responsibility was was yeah if the church tend to the well, this that's a totally side. different topic and we got to get back to the video gotcha, but gotcha. if the church was doing what it was supposed to do, daddy government wouldn't need to do what daddy government does. But that's a whole other that's <laughs> know, a whole other I, conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's get let's get back <laughs> we'll play the video. Go ahead. <laughs> Michelle. Not at this time. Michelle. You know who she sounds like? She sounds like the chick that Officer Daniel hangs out with all the time. Hey, I need you to put the gun down, okay? Will your car start? Okay. Okay, don't worry about me. Okay. Don't worry about me. What's that? Michelle. 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 Can you move your car? No. Oh, Michelle. 
I, I don't care. I'm fine. Michelle! Don't do it! No, don't. Michelle! Toss, hey, Michelle, toss that gun She up. comes at the officer here in a second. Like, she's going to run him over and then fires at him as she's leaving. Michelle! I don't want to shoot up your house! Michelle! I did! I was here earlier tonight, Michelle. Before that, did you ever check on my house? Michelle. Did you? Michelle, you don't want... Did. You don't want to do this, Michelle. Oh, yes, I do. I'm pretty angry. Why? Because you suck. Michelle, we're... You don't want to do this. Yes, I do, because you suck. I've got one armed individual inside a white F-150 pickup, and I've got a civilian. His voice is starting to crack. She's shooting at him. Yes. All right, pause it. Pay attention to his breathing. Now hit play. Just listen to his breathing. I've got a half with kids with my backstop. Michelle! Stay there. The cop's right there next to her. They're right behind her. Do not put your vehicle. She is shoot again? Mm hmm. That vehicle's mobile. The vehicle's mobile. See now, this, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. This is that over. This is that over empathy. This is, you know. Vehicle's mobile. Yeah, this is what the civilians want. This is everything we want. The shooting. I just exchanged two with her. But now we've got an active shooter driving the fuck around. And it's not the police officer's fault. So I mean, he, this is what we've. This is what we have. This is the the seed we've sown. For he officers. said he exchanged two rounds, so he he has fired at this point back at her into the car, right? Yes. Okay. As it was driving away, because she was shooting at him, also. Gotcha. And I mean, just imagine that's me talking on the radio in the background, you know, relaying to dispatch that they're clear and to go ahead and let our sheriff's office know and have them start people at the well. Okay, I want you to now, pause it are, really fast. Are you um, at home, John, in this? Like, are you still... No, he's coming. Um, no that's me on the radio on the background. I didn't know if you were at... Because you got the call at 3 a.m. or whatever, and that I'm trying to yes. I, I'm trying to understand if you have, like, as yeah, a... Yeah, no, I had been at out... Home. No, I had been out on the scene of the original shooting for probably 30 minutes before my phone rang... And the dispatcher was like, hey, you guys need to head this way now. Okay. What were you going to um, say, Eric? I, what I was going to say was um, you could tell that you, he, his breathing started getting 
Huffy and Puffy. And I always bring this up because a lot of the military guys, I was in the military, and so a lot of military guys talk to me about police work, and they're like, why is it every time a cop puts handcuffs on somebody or does anything, it sounds like he just ran a marathon. And this is, this is what adrenaline does. This is why we have things about controlled breathing. Somebody in the chat says that's definitely not controlled breathing. I would argue that it is controlled breathing. This man's adrenaline is through the roof, yet look how he's driving. He's still driving under control. If this was a rookie cop, if this was a cop that wasn't well-trained, he would be driving like a bat out of hell and he'd be screaming on the radio. This man is in control. His heart rate right now is through the roof, yet he is still in control. And that's what I wanted to let everybody know is yes, the breathing is, but he is still in control. And I, and I really applaud him for that because we see a lot of, and oftentimes the adrenaline will just completely overtake somebody, especially a young cop. This guy's obviously been there before. So the, 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 the rapid breathing or the uh, loss of breath isn't an indicator of, of bad training it he's actually doing a really great job of of self-control here northbound third street at frisco she's a slow speed at this time she has a black semi-automatic handgun he's doing great that's great radio traffic for These are little things that you don't think of. He turned on his sirens, right? So he turned his siren off to talk on the radio, and he turned his siren back on when he's chasing. You know, that's, that's a lot of thought, a lot of things to think about, and also watch a car, and also hope that you don't get shot. What's down on Dylan? Wow, she's shooting a lot. Is that her shooting? And me. Oh, that was you shooting. So right now on the screen, and guys, if you're just listening to this, you can go back on the YouTube channel if you want to see uh, what we're seeing and discussing. But John, what are we looking at here in these two different um, frames? Okay, Keith Denton's going to be the vehicle on the left, and yep. then my camera is going to be the one on the right. Understood. All right. Yeah, we've got other traffic on the roadway. And then we're headed out towards Interstate 35, which is the busy area this time of night in our state. You know, all the gas stations and the restaurants. So now you're passing the lead cop. Yes. Um, what, did you have a strategy? Did you have something in mind? Were you going to pit her? Or? Both. Okay. And then I'll, I'll let it explain here. I mean, I, we, we didn't need to get out to that interstate. Now, it looks like your windshield's cracked. Did she shoot your windshield? Or is that cracked from your gun? Uh, I did fire through my windshield. Okay. Oh, I apologize. I was muted. Um, that sounded like a rifle fire. Am I wrong about that? It is. And there's okay. there's pistol fire also. Okay, yeah, I, I I heard that that boom of of the the rifle. I just wanted to make sure I, so I was hearing what it, I thought. That I heard. looks like you coming into screen, walking and shooting at the vehicle. Yes, that's what that's what we're seeing for those of you who are just listening. Keith Benton outside of his vehicle 
off to the left. Man, after that many rounds, she's still driving off. First of all, John, uh, this is wild, right? Like, like you've already said, living your worst nightmare. Uh, two two observations. One is slick mag change. Kudos. That was uh, under under fire and under pressure. Amazing. Uh, second is this just goes to show so much of of what I think people need to understand. You you said it earlier, and I want to just like smack this home. Just hours before this, you're just at a little league tournament, <laughs> like you're being a normal human. Um. And that that's what people have got to understand. And that and then Tansy, you mentioned earlier, like the the similarities are there, but there's also massive differences between combat veterans and police officers. Uh, it's like there you you don't get to just go be a cop and know I'm gonna be in this fight for my life. I'm gonna be in this crazy situation, and then later that day I'm gonna I'm gonna coach a little league, you know, like it's just such a weird mix um, of this world. And we, and that's, that is a lot to expect of a human. And so kudos to you, John, and to others that are out there serving every single day, navigating such a crazy job. This job is nuts. And one of uh, my uh, kudos, one of my, not to interrupt here, one of my first uh, FTOs was a military guy also retired after 25 years in the guard. He was a drill sergeant and then got sent to Iraq and Afghanistan. But he told me one time, he said, the difference between this job and the army is the police work is so much harder. He said in the army, I know when I'm going to war. He said, they tell us, all right, we're going out on a mission. We're probably going to, going to, going to take fire. We're going to fire back. He yeah. said, in police work, it may be when I'm walking in the Seven Eleven to get a cup of coffee and take a dump. You know, yeah, I don't know yeah. when the war is going to break out. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what I was just going to say. I was like, you know, in the military, you're exactly right, right? You get you get that op order, the warning order first. It drops. Hey, there's going to be an operations order. Everybody get ready. You know, get back from the chow, get back from the gym. You know, there's something going to be dropping here pretty soon. So now we're already kind of like almost in the yellow in our brains, right? Like we're kind of get a little adrenaline's going up, you know. Well, while we got time to deal with it, then the op order hits and, and maybe you've got 12 hours from the minute that op order hits, or maybe you got eight hours before that operator hit, uh, that op order operations order hits before you're operating and you read that operations order and you start to plan and you know exactly, you're looking at the map. I'm going to be here. This is where we're probably going to take contact. And then we're going to start rehearsing. Hey, if we do take contact from here, how are we going to act when it happens? Hey, let's pretend that something happens here and let's go ahead and pretend like we're calling for fire. And we've rehearsed this thing in eight hours to death so that when it happens out there, we kind of have we have an idea of, of how to act and how to behave. Also, watch any military uh, firefight on YouTube or anything like that. And you're going to hear a lot of screaming and a lot of yelling. And that's great because that's kind of a way of releasing some of that that adrenaline. Cops don't get to do any of that. There's no warning order. There's no op order. There's no chance of being in the yellow. You go straight from being green to red, and you're not allowed to yell and scream like a maniac. So it's you very know, and I think that's a big part of where the media and 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 prosecutors get confused is that they think that it's shift change every day before we go 10 a that we're setting in there having a, a military style op order to to go out and wreak havoc on the community. You know, there right. were some nights I went to work and I felt like crap. And 
I've had people call, take me to jail. No, not tonight, dude. No. Come on, man, take me. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're staying home tonight. You he's know? like, no, I mean, seriously, I'm going to freeze you know? to death. Take me to jail. Like, I'm homeless. Yeah, you know, when I worked in Oklahoma City, we had an old guy that wanted to go to jail, and, and he was an old drunk homeless guy, and he would swing on us. And this is about 50 times faster than a swing, you know, and we'd be like, nah, not today, Floyd. Yeah. Not happening, bud. Yeah. Come on, man, take me to jail. I'm hungry. No. No. no so, no. you know, it, it, that's not what we go out to do. You know, I, I just, I, I can't stress that enough, and I wish we could change the hearts and the minds, you know, of, dude, you think, we just want to go out and go to work and go home. Nobody wants to go do this. You know, mm-hmm. It's not what we dream of. Every cop's about that fight life until he has to do his first bit of paperwork and uh, has to do all the reports and has to go to court for it later. And then he's done with it. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're all into that first foot chase until you do the foot chase and you have to type all that shit out. You have to go to court over it and you realize that the guy doesn't get, but like, 30 days time served and he gets back out on the street and you're like, yeah, that wasn't worth it. That was not yep. worth it. All right, let's keep playing this video. And is she driving away or is she just kind of coasting away? It was driving at first, but then you hear me, I yelled cease fire. I think she's down to get the other people to quit shooting because I, the way the vehicle veered, something in my mind just told me, and it goes to the sixth sense. Right. Something is uh something's not right nobody's in control you know right y'all got armor everybody ready to go still everybody is thinking on their feet being critical thinkers navigating their way through this obstacle i think that's fantastic nobody's lost their shit nobody's screaming nobody's chasing the vehicle down um and it's pretty apparent at this part that she's she's down, right? Like, you kind of felt that yes. round hit her. Everybody get a fresh mag. Everybody get a fresh mag. Wonderful. Um, and is it pretty much over from here, or do you guys fight it out some more? Um, we go up and approach the vehicle and, and check on her and determine that she's down. Okay. So we can stop the video there. Uh, okay, so that pretty cut and clear case here. She's an active well, shooter. There was a- there was something after that that I want to point out that gets used against me. And if anybody takes anything away from this today, they're going to use everything you say against you to the best of their benefit and a twist to their narrative. Okay. Um, the, the, the comment I made, if I put 60 rounds in that dude, I hope she's down. The, okay. the DA made that out at the grand jury to be a brag. The, I, well, number one, I've shot a rifle from inside my car. I'm deaf. Um, yeah. I don't realize it yet, but I am. And I've got shrapnel in my eyes and um, I'm I'm relaying to them what I thought was pertinent information that hopefully she's down. Hopefully this is over. And that was my thought. I wish I could have fired one bullet and it would have ended it all. Right. You know what I really wish? I wish that she would have got out and said, I give up. It's over. And we would have took her to a mental health professional and got her the help she needed. I wish that's what would have happened. Right. Um, later on in a second, you know, and it was training I had been through. Everything that I was saying to those people was training I had been through on the tactical side. Um, I'm an instructor for, for air, for active shooter drills, alert. Um, I, I'm an instructor. I taught active shooter classes uh, for Texas State University. But here in a second, I, I told the guys, hey, look, Nobody talk to each other. Don't talk amongst yourselves. 
don't talk to anybody, OSBI anybody, until you get your sleep cycle in two to three, six, eight hours. And I threw that admonishment out there because cops like to talk to you. And, and I've well, always been trained. It's, it's part of the adrenaline dump. It's part of the yes. adrenaline dump. Once you get into it, you know, I remember my, my first fight on the street and Sarge pulled up and I was like, oh, he fucking squared off with me and I fucking jacked him right mm-hmm. in the face, man. I fucked, I fuck started his face, dude. Fuck that motherfucker. And he was like, yo, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a young rookie, but I was stoked, man. I was like, man, I just got my first street fight and I fucking whooped this dude's ass and I'm pumped up. He was a gang member, you know, like I was jacked up. Mm-hmm. And he got back to the station. He was like, look, dude, that's not how we behave. That's, you know, we're professionals, dude. And and you you jack somebody in the face and then you get super uh, courteous and polite afterwards. We don't act like that. You know, you're going to sit in time out or, you know, and, and it was a, a, a learning lesson for me. And, and so, yeah, you're right. It, it takes a supervisor. And matter of fact, uh, when I, after the debri- de- debriefing of that street fight, one of the things, because uh, we had a uh, SWAT team uh, SCAT instructor that would review a lot of your major uses of force, and they'd kind of give you uh, training training points from it. And, and, you know, you had to do this if you had a major fight on, on shift. And and me and Sarge were sitting there watching it, and uh, he watched the aftermath of the fight with, with me yelling and screaming. He looked at the Sarge, he said, hey, right now, I'm going to implement just a, a squad-level policy for you guys, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disseminate this to other squads throughout the city. Whenever we have a major incident, there's going to be one person for each shift, for each sector, that's job is to go find that guy and tell him to shut the fuck up. It's kind of like the school drills, you know, where you have one student that makes sure nobody mm-hmm. else is in the room and they turn the lights off. He designated one guy per sector, per squad, that your job is to go after anybody that's been like, if there's a fight, you're going to drive to that fight and your whole mission in life is tell everybody on that scene to shut the fuck up. Yep. And, and I was trained that way that if, if, if I showed up as a, as a supervisor and one of my people had been in a deadly force incident and they, I didn't know he had a gun, he was coming at me and he said, dude, shut up. I don't want to hear, it, you know, all I need to know is, did you fire a gun? Yes or no. Okay, great. Let me have your gun. Here's another one for you to carry. So you're still a cop and feel good about yourself. Shut up. And, and that's what I tried to relay. But, you know, it got twisted at the grand jury. And then your News 9 stamp on the video there got twisted by News 9, who broke the video. I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, is he's t- It's a cover-up. Oh, my God. He's telling them not to talk to anybody so they can get their story straight. <laughs> no, I'm telling them to shut up. So they actually, when they do tell a story, it's coherent and it makes sense. And... uh it's 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 not skewed by what just happened to you. The, after this, I felt like I had been in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. I was sitting on a curb for two hours after this happened, waiting wow. on and things it felt to like get five minutes. Up. I bet. And and I'm sitting there, and I go to my I go to stand up when my my attorney had to drive from Oklahoma City, which is about an hour and a half. When he shows up, and I stand up finally. I felt like I had been hit by a truck because people don't realize, you know, your Mm. livers dump that glycogen. It sucked all the blood from all of your extremities to send them to your heart and your brain to keep you alive. We're more Mm. animal than what we give ourselves credit for. I could not walk. and, And I played high school football. I played college football. I felt like I had played 50 football games in a 10 minute time frame. You know, I mean, and people don't realize the, the physical effects it has on your body also. Yeah. So, well, that's going to jack your brain up and, you know, you're going to get diarrhea of the mouth and you're going to say something yeah. that did or didn't happen. And 
some hero is going to pick that apart and, and go after yeah, you. Yeah, and that's, and I, that's I, why I, um, they have the sleep cycles that are so important yes. before you write an official report because how you, rem- how you remember an incident, it's, it's all jumbled until you get a couple of good sleeps in you and then your brain can work again and actually put its, put its memories together. <laughs> but it's funny how a police department will pick that apart too. Like we know that's science, right? It's proven science mm-hmm. that, that stories are going to change and they're going to change for the better and they're going to change more accurate. They've been able to tell this because they match stories up with what body camera actually shows. So they've proven that if you give it 48 hours and two really good hard night sleeps, that you, you can actually be pretty spot on as far as what your body camera shows versus a critical incident happens, you write a report and then they go back and watch the body camera and it fucking, none of it makes sense. Um, and it so was, it was it, in our policy. Our department right. had, had, had put and, that and, in the policy. It's, it's in our policy too. However, I, I cannot tell you how many people in my department have been in a serious incident that was not a shooting. And they're like, no, 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 You can go write your report right now. And you're like, yeah. what, what do you mean? Like, this is a serious incident. Like this was, I mean, yeah, it's minor to you because nobody got shot and killed. But I mean, this dude threw like three strikes to some dude's face. Like, I want my rookie to take three days off before he comes back and writes. Part. No, no, no. It's just a use of force. He can write that now. And and yeah. and my argument is no. I think any any use of force should should wait for forty eight hours. And and a lot of departments they don't do that. And that's where you find yourself getting in trouble. It's not you don't find yourself getting in trouble in, in an incident like this where it's going to go before a court and and a jury and and everything like that. It's the little tiny case that nobody gives a shit about. That's that's the ones uh-huh. that get people fired. Now you went through this horrendous incident. Everything happens. You know, in your brain, you're justified. You know, everything is fine. You did everything right. You, you know, you're going to be able to sleep at night knowing that you are morally, ethically, and legally in the right. But that's not what happened. Is it? I think uh, his internet froze again for temporarily. Hopefully we can get that back real quick. Hello. To, okay. He back. Kind of. Okay, hey, there he is. All right, so uh, <laughs> this incident happens. It's horrendous. Like what I said before was that you're morally, ethically in the right, um, and you can go home and lay your head down at night knowing that you did a great job. However, that wasn't the case. What happened next? So uh, this happens May 19th. It takes like two weeks before my lawyer. Damn. Are you guys still there? Right when it's getting good, everybody fucking his <sighs> equipment starts shitting the bed. <laughs> so this happened May 19th. Um, just a spoiler alert. Uh, Jonathan here is going to get a phone call that he doesn't quite want. Are you back with us, Jonathan? As I think his internet's decided. Mike's back. Just... Mike's back. You're muted, Miguel. Oh, sorry. I uh, I was just getting some coffee. Okay. Oh, oh shit. Oh, right, hey, he's back. <laughs> I love every time he comes back. It's like he's just browsing his phone. I know he's probably trying to text you, but <laughs> well, like, what I was no, what I was gonna do was turn my hotspot on because I can hear you guys just fine through the whole. Thing. Oh shit. Okay, so tell us what happens now. So anyway, so this happens. Um, uh, of course, we turn the case over to Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. Uh, to, which most agencies do in Oklahoma to come and investigate you. <laughs> Bless America, right when yeah. it gets good. Sorry, right guys. Like good. if you if you're listeners and you get irritated by this, I apologize. But like, there's nothing you can do when you're doing live stuff like this. It's just that's just the way it is. So it's you're just gonna yeah, have. To he's gonna turn his Wi-Fi hotspot on his phone. Whatever. I, right, I don't know if it's my home internet, but um. So uh, 
Let's try this again. Gremlin, stay away. Uh, the uh, my attorney has like a two week. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You know it, what it is is that the show is making too much sense, and it was giving too much of a reality to civilians. Couldn't handle it. And so uh, the deep state, the internet uh, can't handle the truth. They're like, yeah, George Soros says not today, bitches. <laughs> George, that's not exactly what happened. You're only here <laughs> our side of the story. They'll demonetize the show. Yada yada yada. Censorship. Katie K says, um, and hopefully he comes back. I don't. You should I spoil the story and go on with it, Mike, or should I wait for him? Um, I mean, I, I would continue to to say what you know, and then like he can kind of color commentary, kind of what, yeah, what the stuff in between is. Good thing I researched this case a bit. So, um, very shortly after the shooting, everything he thinks is going to be fine. Um, and the, I guess the SBI does their investigation. And, uh, the, from what I know, or what I found is that they find him not guilty of anything. I'm back. Okay. He's back. Here we go. Okay. So anyway, so, you know, the shooting <laughs> happens, of course, the OSBI, the Oklahoma state Bureau of investigation, we turn it over to them for outside investigation, which most agencies in the state do, unless you're, you know, you're a bigger agency, Oklahoma city, Tulsa, something like that, that you've got, you know, thousands of people to handle this crap. It takes about two weeks for me to get my interview in because of scheduling conflict with my attorney. But um, I do my interview in June and uh, the RDA here, I was assigned to our district attorneys. I was an investigator on the district attorney's major crimes unit, which is a multi-jurisdictional task force. I had been since about 2013 or 14. So our district attorney said, hey, man, just so... Uh, Anybody, nobody can say this was a rigged deal since you're on my task force. I'm going to hand this off to a buddy of mine about three and a half hours away. Pro law enforcement guy, good guy. And uh, we'll, you know, he'll, he'll get it taken care of. You know, it's a good shoot, but I'm going to hand it off to him just so there's no, you know, uh, perception of impropriety. Okay, great. So I do my interview in June. We set through June, nothing. We set through July, nothing. August rolls around, nothing. And we're getting tidbits that, well, he's waiting on the autopsy report to come back. Well, what the hell does he need that for? And I told my wife, I said, this son bitch is wanting to know whose bullets killed her because he's, he's going to try and charge. No, 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 no. You're just being paranoid. Well, in this meantime of this, I lose about 60 pounds. Um, I go from going out and doing stuff all the time that by the time August rolls around, the only time I'm leaving the house at all is to go coach youth football. I got in a serious, serious rut of, I, I don't know if you want to call it PTSD or depression or what. I was never suicidal or anything like that. But there were times that I would wake up and I felt like I was dying. I don't know what's wrong with me. Take me to the ER. Something's broken. They've missed something. I'm dying. Anxiety had got the best of me. And I think the biggest part of that was waiting. So early on, they sent us to the to the head shrinker, you know, because you have to get blessed before you can go back to work. And I go to her and, and I, I tell her the story and we go through it. And, and, you know, I go through the motions and she wants to do EMDR on me. And uh, she does. And I go through the motions and I get cleared, you know, OK, head shrinker says I'm fine. Well, by the time fall rolls around, dude, I'm jacked up. 
I mean, I'm in a bad, bad place. And uh, again, not suicidal or homicidal or, or alcoholic or anything like that. I just, man, I, I am in a bad spot mentally. And I go to the doctor and the doctor's like, dude, medicine, here you go. Mm. And I'm like, man, I don't want to go down that road, you know. So I agree to go on the lowest dose there is of an antidepressant. And, and it helps a little. But then finally, I go back to the head shrinker, Dr. Kathy Thomas. Uh, known worldwide for EMDR work. And I sit down and I tell her and I do it and it saves my life. But the guy that went with me to the doctor's appointment, the first time another officer I worked with, uh, another lieutenant here, I walked out of that office the first time she did it. And he said, I've got to come back and have this done. He said it was like a new person walked out, you know, and, and it was. So I, I push EMDR on people. I've heard, I've heard I thought things, it was great things about that. Man, they told me about it. Witchcraft, voodoo, hocus pocus, get out of here. I'm a believer and I'd sell it right now. You know, it, it, it saved my life. So by the time uh, September rolls around, I'm going through this. I get told, hey, I get called to our chief's office one day and he says, hey, man, this guy's taking this to a grand jury. Well, a grand jury is a very rare thing in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, we don't charge or indict by grand jury. We do charge by information. So if I arrest bad guy on felony, the next day, the DA's office files an information and charges him by it. And then he has a right to a preliminary hearing, which a judge says, yes, there's enough evidence for you to go to trial or no, there's not. So we don't use grand juries, but there is a sitting grand jury in Oklahoma City year round called the multi-county grand jury. And it has jurisdiction in all 77 counties. The most thing it's used for is, you know, we would use it as cops to get bank records or cell phone records. You know, you got a bank and they're stalling you on some credit card fraud case or a phone company stalling you. Fine. We'll send a grand jury subpoena to your ass and we'll get it. So that's what it's used for the most. But it has the power to investigate in nearly any crime in 77 counties that, that a DA wants to bring to it. So we get told, hey, this guy's taking you to a grand jury. Well, I'm still thinking that, man, this is a justified shoot. You know, the OSBI guys said it was. My chief said it was. All these experts said it was. My, my lawyer says it is. The world says it's a justified shoot. And some of the information we get and what gets told to me is, hey, he's taking you to this grand jury just as a formality because he wants a neutral body to clear it because he's political and he doesn't want to get the shit stained on his hands. And so, okay, great. So, my, my grand jury subpoena day, I show up and I don't get to testify because, again, my lawyer's in a jury trial. So that is in October. So they push my grand jury appearance to the week before Thanksgiving. I go down there, you know, grand jury's top secret. Nobody can talk about what they've talked about. But we could tell when I got there that it wasn't just a neutral body that was going to clear me, that this guy had other ambitions. They set me in a room separated from everyone and leave me there for almost eight hours alone. Well, I can hear through the wall what? and I can hear, yeah, I can hear this DA going in and laughing with people at the AG's office and joking and going, Hey, what did they just charge that Oklahoma city officer with? Was it, was it second degree murder? And uh, one of the little AGs goes, yeah, yeah, that was it. And he goes, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Let's try that on him. Let's do that. 
And so I'm like, son of a bitch. I mean, and you can tell by the way the other witnesses are walking out, the, the expressions on their face, that this wasn't just an independent clearing deal. This was an absolute witch hunt. This dude had out the picks, pitchforks and torches, and he was going to make a name for himself. Well, I plead the fifth. Um, of course, the DA goes to ask you questions, and I, and, and I tell them my name, and then they ask me what my capacity was, and I said, I plead the fifth. Under attorney's advice. Well, then they say, well, the grand jury will now ask you questions. And the grand juror that they picked, his question was, is it true that you beat up a woman with cancer one time and kicked her while she was on the ground? And I went to answer, you know, instinctively to tell him, hell no. And my lawyer taps me, points at the paper, and I go, you know, pursuant to advice of counsels, you know, the Fifth Amendment of the United States, Article 2 of the Oklahoma Constitution. Do you regret that? Do you regret that? Do you wish you would have just said, are you fucking serious? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that told me I knew. I knew. Okay, this this is somebody's been sold a bill of goods that isn't true. So I'm driving home from Oklahoma City that night, and I call my wife and I tell her I'm getting indicted, and she goes, I mean, she freaks. So we we had a daughter. Our first kid quit breathing on us at one month old, and it did a lot of brain damage, and so our daughter didn't walk or talk the whole nine years of her life. My wife stayed at home and took care of her because she was on a ventilator. And she died two days after Christmas, 2013, when she was nine years old. That devastated my wife and devastated our family. And one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was carry my lifeless daughter out and put her in a hearse in my driveway. Hmm. But that was somehow it was a different hurt when I told her that my wife's not a crier and she cried and she started to cry. And she said, how do we tell our boys they're in fourth and fifth grade at the time? And, and dude, it hit me. And it was the longest drive home. And I called my, my partner on the task force, you know, me and this guy are, are this, you know, we've, we've bought dope together. We fought people together. You know, we've been undercover together. And, and I told him, man, I don't know how I'm going to tell my boys. And when I get home from Oklahoma City, he's sitting in my living room, laughing and joking with my kids. And uh, he said, I've taken care of it for you. And I said, what? And he said, I've taken care of it for you. And he told them, hey, your dad's a hero and a bad man's doing a bad thing to him. You know, and and he took care of it for me. We held my kids out of school the next day because, hell, I didn't know what it was going to be like them going to school. You know, oh, your daddy's a murderer. You know, yeah. uh, we discussed getting out of town, you know. But um, you, through all of this, something we don't think about, we ride around and they teach you, think of the pursuits in your mind and how you're going to call it out on the radio and, and do that when you're riding around bored. And it'll, it'll, and I've done those things and it helped me that night. But the one thing I never thought of is how do I tell my wife that I'm getting indicted for second degree murder? Yeah. Anybody ever gave that a thought? Anybody ever thought, how am I going to tell my family? What am I going to do? How am I going to be viewed in the community? I'm president of the youth football league for yeah. this entire part of the state. I'm president of the gonna, local youth football league. I'm president of the ba- or I'm on the baseball board. How do I live in public? Man, the community was amazing. Oh, I, okay. My brother-in-law, Chris, that contacted you guy. I call, I call him my hype man. He's my hype. Yeah. Man. Everybody needs to make sure that they have a hype man in their corner. 
he didn't live here at the time. He was stationed at Fort Lewis as a ranger in Washington. He hadn't quite moved back. But I had several other people that were just friends that stepped up and they were my hype man. Hey, man, we're making T-shirts. We're making stickers. We're selling them all over the U.S. And they did. And were, you they, know, airbrushed, were, were they airbrushed T-shirts uh, with the angel wings? Was it no, you? no, they weren't. Like yeah, you know, they, the they were they were they were a funeral or family reunion T-shirts. You know, they were just the, <laughs> the, the plain old, uh, uh, you know, the plain old. Oh, what's it called? You know, they cut it out with their machine and then you iron it on. <laughs> like but a little heat press. We're at yeah. the local. Yeah. These people are at the local VFW uh, every Sunday, all day, like a Chinese sweatshop. Excuse me. Third world country sweatshop. <laughs> pressing out these these Justice for John T-shirts and cutting these stickers out by hand by the thousands, you know, and they're selling and they've got orders backed up. And I, I, I just... Those were my hype men that I didn't even know that I had, but that support system is what got me through it. So baseball board, they have a meeting, football board has a meeting and they're like, Hey dude, we support you on this. You were right. It's not like you went out and got arrested for beating your old lady drunk or something like that. We're standing behind you. So anyways, I get indicted Thanksgiving week. Um, The one thing was they were kind enough to just let me show up in court the week after Thanksgiving I'm sitting at that grand jury building knowing I'm going to get indicted. I sat there in a room by myself all day for almost 12 hours. I thought that they were going to execute me right there on scene. I knew it was coming, but that your mind goes so many places. Do I get to go home tonight? Is this right. instantaneous? Do they, they take me to the death chamber now to the guillotine or, you know, I, I mean, that's what I thought. I sat there stressing out and then I make this drive home. And I'm like, Man, Thanksgiving's next week. Am I going to be in jail for Thanksgiving? And uh, my lawyer worked it out with the DA. Okay, he can just show up in court a week after Thanksgiving. And we'll be there. So we show up. We go before the district judge for that covers the two counties in our judicial district. And I'm like, man, I don't know. One of the guys I worked with had a Ford Lightning pickup that was his prized baby. He had already talked to a local bondsman, and he was going to put that up, and that bondsman was going to bail me out no matter what the bail was. There's people in in court clad in T-shirts, you know, there's cops, troopers, deputies. They're supporting me. And the judge goes, look, man, (laughs) I mean, I kind of thought the judge was like, hey, this is bullshit. Um, And he said, I don't have an affidavit to show me anything. I don't have the, you know, the heinous, you know, you don't have any of those facts. I have a grand jury indictment saying this guy murdered somebody, put him in jail. And he's like, oh, our bond. So, I mean, he didn't even set a bond. I signed a piece of paper and left, you know. Nice. And uh, at least at least so, somebody entered entered the scene with some semblance of common sense. Yeah. He's like, I don't have anything here. I don't have any facts before me to show you why. Because they'd last for like $150,000. He said, I don't have any facts here to explain that. I have a piece of paper saying, hey, he did this. And he's like, we don't do that in a regular criminal case. You know, there's an affidavit. So uh, I get bond set. Um February, I go to prelim. They have it in the county south of us, which is in the same judicial district. We end the first day of preliminary hearing with that judge telling the DA, you haven't made your case at all. You haven't made your case. And we're like, okay, this this is a good omen, you know. And then we show up the second day and the judge goes, "Uh, no second degree murder, but I'm going to bind him over on manslaughter. And we're like, 
what the hell, you know, how does, how does that happen? You said yesterday at the end of the day, he hadn't made his case and we show up today and you go, eh, eh. so, um, that's in February. So my lawyer immediately, you know, files a motion to quash the entire case and the judge's decision in prelim with the district judge. There's court appearances. In the meantime, I'm on leave and I'm going stir crazy at home. And um, a friend of mine, I coached his son, owns a company here in town. So I went to work for him part time or as as an electrician. Excuse me. And uh, I do that. And then like May rolls around and our city manager calls me. And man, she was one of the biggest supporters of me through this, you know. And she goes, you know, this is a bullshit case. We all know it is. She said, I'm bringing you back to work. And I'm like, um, have you talked to my lawyer about this, you know? And she's like, I'm going to put you in a uniform. We're going to put you in the station and you're going to be supervised the communications division and, and, and records division and take calls in the lobby and stuff and, and just handle stuff in the station. And uh, uh, yes, Drew, my uh, department hired me a civil lawyer, the best in the state. And then the, the, the two best lawyers in the state are my lawyers. One is my criminal lawyer which is Gary James, which is through the FOP because I had legal defense insurance. And if you're in the FOP and you don't have legal defense insurance, you're an idiot because this hasn't cost me a dime. And then the city hired the other best police shooting lawyer in the state to represent me on the civil side of the case. So um, anyways, so they get these details hashed out and, uh, turns out I'm not going to be in uniform. My lawyer doesn't want that. He doesn't want me anywhere where there's any chance that I have to use any force. So I come back and I supervise the dispatch, the communications and the records division from May of 21. And uh, our last court appearance was in August of, tw- of, or of May of 20. I'm sorry. In August of 20, the court appearances are over. The final paperwork is filed with the judge to ask him to dismiss the case. We rock on, we rock on, we rock on. One year later, in August of 21, the judge finally issues a ruling. It took him one year to type it. It's 41 pages long. I emailed it to you guys. And he dismisses this case on seven different issues as to why it never should have been filed or prosecuted in the first place. Dismissed on seven different issues. Nice. Well, okay, victory. Hallelujah, we're done. No. Hicks, the DA... I'm going to, I'm going to appeal the court of criminal appeals. So he does. He hires an attorney. Okay. His co co-attorney in this doesn't the work fuck? there anymore. That helps you sleep with his wife or something. And the story that we get is that she didn't want this to happen to me to begin with. And they got crossways. So she left. So he hires an outside attorney. And, and I don't know any of this to be fact. Just, you know, we, we get stuff from inside channels that, None of his ADAs would handle this case for him. He has six counties underneath him, and none of them would touch it. They're like, no, nuclear waste, not touching it. And so he hires an outside guy to write his appeal brief and file the appeal. And then he gets crossways with that guy and fires that guy. And so now he's hired another guy to come in that I hear is like really elderly and was like a DUI lawyer. And he he makes his appearance at the Court of Criminal Appeals. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to file a new brief. I'll just adopt that one that guy filed before, you know. And my lawyers filed all his briefs. And so now we're waiting on the Court of Criminal Appeals to decide whether to uphold the judge's decision, dismissing it on seven different issues or to kick it back and start this process all over with. What did you do to this guy? Did you go to his house and drink his milk straight from the carton or, or what? Like, why is he, I, I, why is he so burned I don't, up for you? I don't know. 
I don't know. Of course, you know, I've got a lot of haters around here. I file about 100 felony cases a year. Most of them dope cases. And, and I've ticked off a lot of people in a community in an area with a high drug rate. And, and it's small. So, you know, I know that people were contacting him and telling him these, these outlandish wild stories about how I was the boogeyman. And, you know, and then the, I know that they did that because that question the grand juror asked me. Is it true that you beat the heck out of a woman with cancer and kicked her? And what are you talking about? You know, you know and that's, that's I have another no thing clue I've what he's talking about. about. That's the funny thing that uh, departments are doing now is like we're going to document everything as a use of force right now to show that you know we're we're doing these things. Well, no, what it does is when you accidentally when, when you shoot somebody or you're putting into a position like you were putting in, that gives tons of ammo to make you look like shit. Oh, he's got thirty-seven <laughs> uses of force. Yeah, but 30 of those were just handcuffing. It's just the new department policy. And and, and again, you know, I'm on this major crimes unit for years. We go after the baddest of the bad, the biggest of the big in our area, cartel cases and stuff, you know. They try to make it out, like, again, that we want to go out and and murder somebody every time we go to work or that we want to beat people up or something, and it's not true. You know, I've kicked in doors before on gang members, with, and they come up with a gun in their hand. But I see in their eyes that they're like, oh, shit, you know, it's the cops. You, you, you know, if you want to shoot somebody, there's times you can do that and be completely justified. But I did that. I kicked a door one time and a gang member comes up with a gun, but he sees it's the police. And, and I can tell in his face that, oh, shit, you know, you could tell it wasn't the all right, I'm going to murder you. You know, it was, oh, yeah. fuck. I don't yeah. shoot him and he throws the gun backwards into a bathroom yelling, don't shoot, don't shoot, you know. He thought right. it was the other homeboys coming through the door, and it wasn't. And he saw it was the cops. He's like, mm-hmm, not fighting with them, you know. Yeah. And and we all have those instances where you look back on it and you go, man, justified force would have been okay there. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I, you know, I had one one time I showed up. A guy was fighting a guy with a knife on the porch of, of a house trying to arrest him on a warrant. And I'm trying to get a shot to shoot this guy. Cause he's got a knife fighting this officer and the officer's holding his hand and I can't because it would have went through the officer or through him and hit the officer behind him. And, and so you bust him in the teeth with a pistol and he throws the knife down and you get him arrested. You know, I mean, there's, we all have a million of those stories because I think we all go out here. We don't want to, we don't want to shoot someone, yeah, you know, we don't want to run over somebody. We don't want to have to, to, to fight somebody, you know, I mean, and, and, but we're not portrayed that way. Right. You know, now, what a, you're, what you're, a crazy story. You've been cleared uh, ish, but you still have mm-hmm. the civil suit ahead of you. Uh, how can people support you now? Um, is there an Instagram page? Is there a Facebook group? Um, um, there, I've heard there Facebook, is. Yeah. Facebook page that, that, that one of, one of my high people, the lady here in town door started right after, you know, again, the community support was so amazing. I mean, after this happened, I still got the best law enforcement officer of the year for our county from our local newspaper. You know, I mean, it, the, they didn't abandon me. They stood behind me. Um, but, yeah, there's a Facebook page. Uh, we support or, or, uh, we support John Mitchell. Um, it was pretty active. I used to put a lot of updates on it to keep people, you know, it was the outpouring of support from it. I had people from all over the world contact me. I had people from Texas. Hey, we got a private ranch. You and the kids want to get away. Come on down. You know, I mean, just complete strangers. It 
it made me feel good that we're more supported than what the media would portray that we're supported. Now, where do you go from here? Are you working with other officers that are in similar positions that you are? Are you reaching out to them? Do you feel like you've been given a second chance? Or do you just, are you just, you know, it's, you know, normal life as, as it goes? Well, um, you know, I got cleared in August. Um, I could have went back to work. Um, I came home one day and I told her, I said, man, I've put in 22 years. We have 20 year pension in Oklahoma. I said, I think I'm done. And she said, yeah. I've been wanting you to be done for years. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I pulled the pin January 1st of 2022, um, went to work full-time as an electrician. I'm liking that. Um, I've been in contact with Randy Sutton and the Wounded Blue, um, Jenny yeah. Hill with their organization. Um, I was supposed to fly to Vegas to go through their peer support training in October uh, I had, or in uh, August, excuse me. I'd never been on an airplane in my life. I got myself hyped up. I'm going to do it. And I drive to Oklahoma City and 30 minutes from Oklahoma City, Southwest sends me a text that says, Bing, your flight's been canceled. So uh, the next cycle they have for that training, uh, I'm going to go through that peer support training with them. And, and I mean, I, I'm open. Um, anybody that's struggling with something like this, man, get a hold of me. You know, don't sit and waller like I did. Don't sit in your recliner and and let yourself get to a bad point because it affects your family, too. You know? Yeah. Um, there's help out there. Just reach out for it. You know, it, it's then no matter how dark it seems, the sun's going to rise again in the morning. You know, it's going to come back up. It may not feel like it, but it is, you know, and, and we, I, I tell guys, I used to recruit the hell out of people, man. I'd tell people, man, they give you clothes to wear, a car to drive, and they pay you to go get in trouble. It's the <laughs> best profession in the world. You've got to do it. Come try being a cop. Man, I can't really say that anymore. I mean, it, yeah. we it's have to time. exist. I know we have to have people. But then the other thing is the people that I'm seeing going into it now, I mean, it's just a paycheck for them and, and it's a decent paycheck in a lot of places. And it, I, I started at nine bucks an hour, you know, I did it because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make God, a you got difference that in much? 1999, really? 1999, 902 an hour, you know, and, and you know, you guys I already, got paid. It, it just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, times have changed. Generations have changed. Um, I was trained by the old Vietnam vets. You know, those guys are gone now, you know, and we got these millennials and you know, it just, but I don't know if I'd tell anybody to be a cop right now. I'd say go get a trade. One, it's not you the know? fucking millennials. Okay. I was a millennial. Millennials are the first generation to volunteer for two fucking wars that the Good generations point. ahead of us lost. Like it wasn't the millennials that lost that war. It was the old fucking boomers that lost the wars for us. So it's the generation after us. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey man, it was Z. a pleasure having you, having you on. Uh, yep. We appreciate it. Go and support um, Jonathan. Um, tell your brother, uh, Andrew, just kidding. Christopher, tell him we said, thank you for getting, getting a hold of us and having you on me as a powerful yeah, yeah. story. Chris is my, he's my hype man. He's my number one supporter, man. He's a good dude. So, Good, man. I, I, and it's a story that needs to be told, man. I can't wait for the book to come out. <laughs> so, like uh, I, you know, I've, I've always said I was going to write a book someday. People at work always tell me I need to write a memoir because I'll tell funny stories from over the years. So when are we going to do a funny story episode on here? Oh, oh you can too. come back I'll, anytime, dude. You, listen, I'll put you on the calendar in the new year. Uh, we got a bunch of shit going down. We've got a, uh, a, a comms show. It's a call-in show. And uh, yeah. where, where they're going to have like themed call in nights, like it might be craziest homicide or it might be funniest police story, whatever. But it's two, uh, one former cop who was in charge of a dispatch center and another dispatcher. 
and uh, it's going to be on the channel. And we'd love to get you to call in on some of those funny stories. Yeah, and I'll I mean, have you we, back uh, on here anytime. Yeah, anytime. let me know. Would a little get a little comedic side, a little relief out of it. But well, this was uh, thank you guys. So appreciate you being willing to. Uh, not uh, not a lot of guys, totally understandably so, aren't willing to open up and share their worst their worst day. Right. Um, and you did. We appreciate it sincerely, man. Really. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you for having me on. All right, guys. Until next time, guns up. Giddy up.